Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how you doing, man? I'm good, DW. It's the final week of football, at least for the Falcons. <laughs> Definitely um, for the Falcons. <laughs> it's been a yeah, it's been a long season, but uh, we're finally here. Yeah, um, extra game, extra week. Uh, this is week 18, which Normally would have been the start of the playoffs, but it is the final week of the 2021 uh, NFL regular season. Uh, the playoffs, of course, will start the week after that. And I mentioned the playoffs because one of the two teams we're going to talk about today still mathematically has a chance to make them, and the Falcons have the chance to spoil it. Um, mm-hmm. This has been the first time in a long time, but this entire season, the Falcons have had relevant games for the entire season because even though they're out of the playoff race officially, they can serve as spoiler for the hated New Orleans Saints, who they play on Sunday in Atlanta. Uh, as you mentioned, the last game of the regular season for the Falcons. Um, I don't know about you. I'm I'm like pumped up for this game, knowing that they can ruin the Saints' chances at the playoffs. It makes <laughs> me very it makes me very happy. I'm not gonna lie. Like it, yeah. it's I'm kind of giddy. I want to see that happen. What about you? I do. Uh, I think right now there's like two different types of fans. The ones that want the Saints to miss the playoffs at the hands of the Falcons, um, Mm -hmm. which as a longtime Falcons fan, that's always going to be where, you know, I want to see happen. And then the other fans want the Falcons to lose because of draft, you know, draft order. And I get that. But but at some point you have to enjoy these games. And even though they're, you know, they're struggling team and whatever. But this is Falcons versus Saints. Like, this is, you know, this is what gets you out of bed, you know, on those weekends where the team sucks. But it's Falcons versus Saints, you know, hate week. Um, Yeah. You know, and although, you know, the players don't probably get into it as much as the fans do, um, you know, they get into it. Yeah. I saw a good quote about from Kyle Pitts about, you know, wanting to play the Saints. And, I, I it looked it looked really good from a standpoint of like okay good like you obviously these guys all know each other you know the players and stuff but and they're not going to hate each other um, but you want there to be a rivalry because it just makes oh, yeah. it that much more fun. Yeah, and and when the players get into it, it to me it whether it's on the Falcon side or even the Saints side, you know, Cam mm-hmm. Jordan is a trash talker and yeah. Uh, I actually like that. It adds more to the game. Um, I love when guys like Cam Jordan or, or you know, Marcus Ladmore uh, are talking trash about the Falcons. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. The, put but the we need to hit them back game. with that kind of thing. The one I oh, remember yeah. is like Freeman and Sean Payton getting it into it, but then it turns oh, yeah. out Freeman uh, this season decided to tell everyone he's always been a Saints fan or whatever it was. <laughs> so that kind of like killed the like – 
you know, my memory of it, but, um, you know, you want to see that from the players, make it, it makes it more fun. It makes it more meaningful. It's, it's, it's good. It's, you know, Yankee baseball's got Yankees and Red Sox, uh, mm-hmm. you know, different fans would argue depending on who you're a fan of. But for us, I mean, Falcons versus Saints, it doesn't get bigger than that. It doesn't. Um, and even though we're going to preview this game uh, on this podcast, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this up front. Uh, whatever stats, whatever rankings um, we talk about are meaningless. Like when these two teams face off, uh, it's just a different it, it, things go off script. And we saw that earlier this year when, you know, the Falcons were underdogs, obviously going into into New Orleans and pulled off the uh, the last second victory. Um, and, you know, certainly that is probably weighing in the minds of the Saints fans uh, and the Saints players, knowing that they got beat at home. Uh, and that had they secured that home victory, they probably are already in the playoffs instead of having to play in at this point. Um, so mm-hmm. they're they're certainly looking. And oh my God, the one thing they don't want to see is for first year head coach Arthur Smith to start his first year in Atlanta by sweeping the Saints. You know, Saints fans don't want that. Yeah. Um, they at worst they want to split this series. And uh, for Falcons fans, I think. If you had been told at the beginning of the year the Falcons would finish very close to 500 and they would sweep the Saints in a year where they had no cap space, that probably would be like a very uh, acceptable outcome for most fans. And we are right there. We are right there at the possibility of that. Um, mm. All right. So to get into it, why don't we start first with what these two teams may look like on Sunday? Give us an update on the injuries, Evan, and, and where the two teams stand as we... So we head towards this hate week matchup. Yeah, um, the biggest name for the Falcons. And again, this is um, going to be Thursday's injury report. There'll still be one more on Friday. Um, Kyle Pitts left against the Bills um, due to a hamstring injury. Um, he was not practicing on Wednesday, but on Thursday was upgraded to limited. Um, but dealing with a hamstring injury, those things are kind of tough. Um, as we've seen before with, I think Julio Jones is kind of the poster boy here in Atlanta for, uh, what hamstring injuries can do to a career. But, oh, yeah. um, this quote came, um, via Josh Kendall of the athletic, um, Kyle Pitt said, my biggest priority now is to beat the saints because it's the last game in their divisional opponent and it's the Saints." So, uh, that sounds like a player who intends on playing, um, yeah. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Pitts is, uh, 50 yards away from breaking Mike Ditka's um, rookie tight end receiving record, which um, was in, I believe, 1961. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like he is going to play. And the fact that he was upgraded to limited on Thursday um, is a very good sign. Fabian Moreau, who missed the Bills game with a ribs injury, um, has been practicing in full the last two games. So, I mean, he should play um, unless there's like a downgrade on Friday. Um, additionally, Quadri Allison left that game against the Bills with a quad injury. Um, he was also non-participant on Wednesday, but on Thursday, um, was limited. So it sounds like he's headed in the right direction too. Um, and then the biggest name on the non-participants is Jalen Mayfield. Um, he's got a back injury and he was, um, he practiced normal on Wednesday. So it must've happened on Wednesday because on Thursday, that's when, um, the back injury uh, popped up on the injury report. So just stay tuned to Friday's report. If he's on there as a non-participant, uh, just, 
yeah, just from doing these all season, um, that usually means he's probably not going to play, although that's not definite, but there will be game uh, designations handed out. So he may be like questionable or something like that. Um, so that'll be something to monitor. Uh, for the Saints, um, their Wednesday and Thursday practice reports were identical, except for Mark Ingram was downgraded from limited on Wednesday to non-participant on uh, Thursday. But just some of the names um, who are non-participants as of Thursday. Left tackle, Teron Armstead uh, with a knee injury. Defensive mm-hmm. end, Marcus Davenport with ankle. Corner, Bradley Roby with a shoulder. Um, also another corner, PJ Williams with an ankle. Then, as I mentioned, Mark Ingram with that knee injury. Um, their injury report is flooded with a bunch of starters. And then limited, Ryan Ramchek. Um, so they've got both their tackles on the injury report as of Thursday. Yeah, and th- that tackle situation for them is really interesting because um, I was, as I was doing my research into this game, uh, Armstead and uh, Ramchek were two of the best offensive tackles in the league, probably the, the best duo in the league. Uh, they've only played four games together this year. Uh, both guys have been battling knee injuries, uh, Armstead in particular. Ramchek played recently, but uh, has been sort of on and off the injury report. Uh, if he's limited, like you said, it, you know, unless that changes, he's probably going to play. Um, but yeah, that offensive line in the past for the Saints has been a major strength. It has taken some shots this year with Armstead being out. They lost Andrus Pete, the, one of their starting interior guards, uh, early on in the season. And yeah, this is something we're going to talk about as we as we talk about the, the Saints' offense in the second half. Uh, but I do want to talk about the Falcons and their offense and how they're going to match up with the Saints defense. Um, And this is, I think, where the Falcons have to win. Uh, And it's what got them the win in New Orleans, you know, towards the beginning of the season. It was the offense uh, performing. And look, uh, they just haven't done that as of late. So if you have little faith about the Falcons scoring a lot of points, I don't blame you. They have struggled to do that in recent weeks. Um, and certainly, you know, in this last game, when Pitts went out in the late second quarter, the second half of the Bills game, they were basically extremely limited um, in what they could do. And, and it's just clear they have such a lack of talent. Um, mm. It's they need a true wide receiver one. I like Russell Gage, but not as 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 a top wide receiver. Like he's at best a wide receiver two, and really probably should be a wide receiver three on most teams. Um, Tajay Sharp, Alameda Zacchaeus, they shouldn't be starting. They shouldn't be starters. <laughs> um, and, <clears throat> you know, the, the running backs are okay. Mike Davis, I think, has played well as of late. Um, Cordero Patterson, obviously, uh, one of the highest-rated running backs this year by PFF, uh, has been uh, really productive for most of the year, although, Evan, you and I both know that his production has fallen off, I think, the past week. Yeah. Three, three games, two or three games. Yeah, he hasn't had more than twenty nine yards on the ground, and then uh, through the air, he hasn't had more than twenty five yards, and that's the last three games. Definitely yeah. a slump. Yeah, a little mini slump, and uh, hopefully this will be the game where he breaks out of it because he had that uh, you know big game against the Saints the, the first time around, and <clears throat> I believe it was him. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Patterson that had the sideline catch that. Uh, was part of the game-winning drive uh, for the yeah, Falcons. Yeah, I think people forget we almost blew that game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so much has happened since. That game was really close. Oh, Saints fans thought they had just come back 
and beat us. And I think there was what somebody like fumbled. A minute who left. was it? Was it was it Mike Davis who fumbled, or was it Russell Gage? Somebody fumbled that like gave the Saints good field position, right? Which got yeah. them to where they could score. And then Mike Davis almost fumbled at the end when they tried oh, to run oh, the clock out. You know what? That's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, never mind. That was a yeah. different game. Yeah. Um, so Mike Davis almost fumbled at the end, but then they. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're probably thinking of when Quadriolison fumbled and gave the, the ball back. I think to uh, uh, to the Panthers uh, several yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> the the Falcons' offense right now and. In my mind, and I'm curious to hear what you think, Evan. I think the biggest problem, even outside of the the weapons, is the interior of the offensive line, and in particular, the um, left side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jalen Mayfield. Um, he's he's bad. Like yeah. I think this past week, uh, you and I look at those PFF scores. I think he got an 8.0 in pass blocking, which oh. is, I mean, that's about I, as we've bad seen, as it gets. <laughs> other than like the zero that Colby Gossett got for the, yeah. his three snaps, um, Mayfield on the year uh, has a pass blocking grade of 27.6. Um, and that is, it's, it is, it is God awful. I, I don't know how else to say this. That is one of the, that is a painfully bad score. And I've said, you know, I say this when I talk about the PFF scores each week on the podcast. Take everything with a grain of salt when it comes to PFF. Sometimes I disagree with, you know, what I see from them on a week to week basis. But I, I I think, Evan, that this is probably accurate. Like his pass blocking Mm -hmm. is abysmal. Um, So what do you think? Do you think this offensive line is the biggest issue for the Falcons right now? I think it's, yeah, it's clearly been, especially, I mean, you could just look at the last game. Um, There's been several games where the offensive lines, you know, been the key component of like why the Falcons aren't winning or why they're not the offense isn't putting up points last game against the bills. I mean, there were times where it looked like Jalen Mayfield just stepped to the side and let them run right through. Um, and, and that's what makes it so frustrating. As you mentioned, like it's mainly Jalen Mayfield and I don't want to pick on one player, but like you look at like Chris Lindstrom, it's a night and day difference. Obviously he's yep. had more, time but even then Chris Lindstrom's first year aside from when he was injured like he was still you know looked promising obviously he was a first round pick compared to Jalen Mayfield who uh, wasn't and also played right tackle in college but right now it's like Chris Lindstrom's one of the best guards in the NFL um, currently I think PFF has him fourth overall guard yep. um, he hasn't allowed he hasn't been responsible for a single sack on Matt Ryan this year where on the opposite side, on the left side, um, Jalen Mayfield has a league high 11 sacks allowed. Um, From by, the interior. And right. And that's by all guards, regardless of left guard or right guard, like all guards, <sighs> he's given up the most sacks. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious where the weak link is on the offensive line. And that's why, like, I wonder at times why they didn't, you know, Josh Andrews was a healthy scratch ever since he came back from injury. Um, because, you know, I, I, the one thing I, I do like about Arthur Smith is that he's giving guys a chance even after they fail to like see if they can get better. Um, but walking into this off season, I mean, I ideally would like to see, you know, something done at left guard. Like I didn't see anything yeah. from Jalen Mayfield that made me think, okay, yeah, he could be the future at left guard. Like there wasn't even flashes of it. 
Um, usually it's like, you know, under the circumstances, as I mentioned, being a right tackle in college to a left guard in the pros, it's like, if he had some flashes here or there that you could cling to and go, okay, well, there might be something here. I didn't see anything. And I don't know if no. it's just me, but like, there was nothing that made me think, okay, this, they should go into the 2022, um, regular season with him, you know, I'm not even sure as a backup, like I didn't see anything <laughs> at left guard that he was doing that, you know, has me promising. Is that like a overreach by me? Like, no, I, I said before, I think he has to take a massive leap forward in the off season. Uh, but how induce- can you, that's, what's tough about it is like, how can you even, you can't bet do on that. that. <laughs> right. But, right. Like, you can't bet on that. And I think that's the bottom line is, is they have to bring in someone. And I would prefer a veteran. It could even yeah. be a veteran who's on the wrong side of 30, just someone to bridge the gap. Like if you still believe in Mayfield, fine, but bring in somebody that can step in and start immediately. Uh, especially if, if Mayfield looks like he's not panning out there. Um, and even if he takes a massive step forward, like that still probably only gets him to a mediocre starter like right? a Josh like, Andrews <laughs> right exactly like right now he is just he's one of the worst guards in the league and that's you know the the facts of the matter um and look I, I don't want to uh harp too much on him Matt Hennessy has uh not been good either as a pass blocker the thing that's confounding to me and I, I want to go back and watch some of these games to see what PFF is seeing they have him with like a 49.2 pass blocking grade, but 87.4 as a run blocker. So Hennessy, believe it or not, is ranked the number 10 center by PFF right now. He's 10th out of 38 centers. He's fourth in run blocking, but he's 33rd out of 38 pass blocking. <laughs> it's so lopsided. Well, and the, the Falcons are seventh uh, overall for PFF uh, run blocking. In run blocking, I know, which is... Uh, bizarre <laughs> it is bizarre it really is uh this is this is where again i feel like the their stats are gonna they're not entirely consistent with what we're seeing on the field and like it, it's it doesn't fully reconcile like in my mind matt hennessy is not a top 10 center um he's you know at best in the middle of the pack which is not i mean he's a yeah they starter. don't need him to be like yeah. top 10 as long as he's not like Jalen Mayfield's unfortunately like the worst left yeah. guard right now. And, and that's bad. <laughs> and the, the thing is when it comes to offensive lines, uh, I think the rule of thumb is you can't have two major weaknesses next to each other. Right. So if you're going to have a Matt Hennessy at center, and I think he can be a serviceable center, not great. He's not going to be the next Alex Mack, but I think he could be, you know, a serviceable center, but what you can't do is put a massive liability next to him at left guard because then it's going to expose all of his weaknesses at the same time. Uh, if you put someone solid uh, in at left guard, I think Hennessy looks a lot better uh, as, as a starter. So, you know, some of this is sort of a domino effect of what we're seeing. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the offensive line. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I look across the aisle, uh, you know, Cameron Jordan, uh, he, he's at time, you know, look, Caleb McGarry did a good job against him. Um, but last year, I think Cameron Jordan abused Caleb McGarry when they played, um, wow. on Yamada, uh, Davenport, he's going to be the name, uh, to watch for me. If he's not participating, um, that could be a big deal for their defense. Cause he's become one of their best pass rushers opposite of, you know, Cam Jordan. And if he's out, that's, uh, that could give this offensive line a little bit of a boost, man. Like they need it. 
Um, so he, yeah, unfortunately, if if Davenport's out, that that changes the complexion of this game a little bit. Um, and I guess the big news is uh, Kyle Pitts. If he plays, and it, like you said, it sounds like he's leaning towards playing. Um, I think he's going to have some favorable matchups again in this game, uh, and I think he's going to be the wild card uh, here. And uh, which. Yeah, that's not saying much. He's one of our top receivers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> our top receiver is the wild card in this game. Thanks for that amazing analysis, DW. Um, yeah, that he. I think he's going to have a, some good matchups in this game, uh, but the Falcons' offensive line has to give him time. Um, mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on on our offense and you know this Saints defense? As I was writing about the thing that that scares me a little bit, and again, you know the, the stats can go out the window. Um, but they're even though they're just 14th in scoring, they're eighth in sacks. They've got 43 on the year. Um, by contrast, the Falcons have 17. Oh my God. Um, and so uh, they have allowed a passer rating of just 82.0, which is fourth in the league. Um, so their defense is playing well, although if they're missing some of their key guys, that, that could, you know, that, that could impact this a little bit. Um do you have any final thoughts on this Falcons offense and matching up with the Saints? Because it this could be another tough matchup for them. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more of a run game opposed to last time. Uh, yeah, Matt Ryan yeah. had 343 yards uh, passing, two touchdowns. I mean, a lot of it came from him. And then he also had a rushing touchdown, believe it or not, um, oh, against the Saints last time. So, like, that was a huge um, Matt Ryan game. And, that you know, that could – and they still almost lost, um, which is a frustrating part. And then, you know, additionally, um, you look at like what they did on the ground, as I mentioned, would like to see a better run game. Uh, Cordero Patterson, you know, on the ground against the Saints um, had nine carries for 10 yards, which is mm. atrocious, but through the air had six receptions for 126 yards. Like, so they were getting stuff done through the air. They just couldn't move the ball on the ground. Um, so I think obviously that's something and I don't know how the saints um, run defense has improved since then, but I remember me and you talking about them. They're one of the best. Like, the they time. were the best. So yeah. are they still like, or technically? Yeah, they're still, they're still in the top five. So well, well, that's um, it's going to be tough to run. Against. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to be tough to run against them, but uh, the, what you just pointed out with Patterson in the receiving yards, he had in that game, whenever he was flexed out wide and the saints, somehow managed to put a linebacker on him. Uh, in fact, I think it was Quan Alexander who matched up on him one-on-one in that play at the very end of the game where he went for, I think, 61 yards and you know busted open for the, for the uh, close of the game. Uh, that will be a matchup to watch to see if Patterson, if they continue to match up Patterson with a linebacker, Patterson's going to blow the doors off any of their linebackers. Uh, you know, yeah. Demario Davis is a good linebacker, but he cannot keep pace with Patterson. Quan Alexander cannot keep pace with Patterson. And I think that's a matchup they're going to look to to try to exploit as well to see if the if the Saints haven't learned any lessons from the first time around. Yeah. And, and I was just looking while you were talking about um, you know, Patterson, as I mentioned, nine carries for 10 yards. Mike Davis had nine carries for 13. So they couldn't get anything going yeah. on the ground. So I mean I imagine they're still going to try because you got to establish or try to establish a run. Um, which will only hope uh, help open up the pass, but yeah, they couldn't get anything done against them earlier. No, not at all. 
All right. We're going to talk about this Saints offense and the Falcons. I guess you could call it a defense, whatever the hell it is they, they do on that side of the field. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Evan Birchfield. And we're previewing the Falcons' final game of the 2021 regular season, Week 18 at home in Atlanta, hosting the hated rival New Orleans Saints, uh, the Falcons are out of the playoffs, but they have the chance here to knock the Saints out of the playoffs. God, I love it so much. Let's hope that <laughs> this uh, – I want to see this be the game that knocks the Saints out of the playoffs. So, um, I, yeah, yeah, that's, that is that, that is what is going to make the season for me at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's we, – we talked in the first half about the Falcons' offense. Uh, we talked a lot about Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this, uh, this Saints offense and the Falcons defense, because this is interesting. Um, as I look at this and you, you went through the injury report, um, you know, it looks like Taysom Hill is going to be back. He's going to be, uh, he had that finger injury, uh, but I think he was a full participant and he will yeah. probably be their starting quarterback. It probably will not be Ian book, um, <laughs> wide receiver, Traquan Smith, Ty Montgomery, uh, those guys are are back, and Ryan Ramchek, if he is at right tackle, he's one of the best you know right tackles in the league. Um, if they're missing Teron Armstead, uh, they're already missing Andrus Pete. That will be two backups on the left side of the line. And in my mind, this is the game where Grady Jarrett has to come alive. Um, this is his opportunity to disrupt the interior of this pocket. Um, because, you know, in the past, when you have someone like uh, Tron Armstead locking it down at left tackle, uh, you know, your left guard can focus on just his assignment. Well, if you've got a backup at left tackle uh, and you've got Fowler challenging that guy, that left guard may have to try to, you know, provide some help or look for stunts. This, in my mind, is the prime opportunity for this Falcons defense that has 17 sacks, 17 sacks in 16 huh. games. That is abominable. Um, this is this is a banged up New Orleans offensive line. Um, am I putting too much stock in that, or do you feel like there is no hope for our pass rush? 
at this point, I feel like there's no hope for our pass rush. And, and I <laughs> there it is. like the Saints, <laughs> even if they're, you know, without both those guys, like, I mean, there's been several cases early, you know, this whole season where the Falcons should have ideally had some sort of pass rush and they just didn't because um, teams were without a left tackle or right tackle or sometimes both. Um, injuries happen, but it, ha- it hasn't really mattered to the Falcons pass rush. Um, as you mentioned, 17 that's pretty, that's that's so bad. I, it's PFF a little has more a, than one a game. Yeah, I mean, there's literally players on other teams who have more sacks, like alone. TJ Watt has more sacks yeah. alone than yeah. the Falcons, the entire Falcons. Like, defense. not how many does he have right now? I think like 20, 22, 20 and a half. 20, yeah, 20 it's, and a half. it's up there. So it's not like he's got one more. Like he's got a few more, and there's still another <laughs> game. To go. Um, that's so bad. Um, I, I shared a tweet earlier in the week about. Jacob Tuoti Mariner, who um, was with the Steelers practice squad and then got signed by Carolina. Like he's, he hasn't played for the Falcons since Halloween. That was, um, was that Calvin Ridley's last game too? Uh, you know what? That, like, may have been. that yeah. may have been. So, so Mariner hasn't played since then and he's still second on the team in sacks. Like that's awful. Oh um, my God. It's got to get better sometime, like eventually, right? <laughs> One of these seasons. No, you, um, you could stay at the bottom for a long time, uh, as yeah. we've seen with the Falcons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, I think the biggest difference is going to be in this game opposed to earlier in the seasons. You know, earlier in the season, we faced Trevor Simeon, who's pretty much just a pocket passer. Um, and he had yeah. a good day against Falcons, 249 yards and two touchdowns. But the difference is – um, between him and Taysom Hill is in that game, Simeon had no um, rushing attempts or scrambles or whatever. Like Taysom Hill's literally uh, first on, on the Saints currently in rushing touchdowns this year, and he's second in terms of rushing yards, and he missed some games with injuries. Um, he's going to run the ball, especially oh, if yeah. they're without their left tackle and or right tackle. Um, you know, he's going to scramble out of the pocket. And the Falcons have struggled with quarterbacks who do that. I mean, you see last week against yep. Josh Allen, obviously he used a different kind of set of skills, but he, um, he can, cause he can actually throw the ball, but he threw three interceptions. So what did he do? He took it on the ground. He had like 80 something yards and uh, on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. And the Falcons knew that late in the game, he was going to run with the ball and they still couldn't stop him. Uh, yep. Taysom Hill's that kind of bruising, you know, quarterback who can, you know, he, he's when he scrambles, he looks for contact. Um, yeah. And that's going to be a difficult thing for the Falcons to stop, especially if the Saints get up on them and they have to, you know, they've got Kamara who can also run, but obviously if they need to, Taysom Hill can take off running. That's going to be stop, hard to stop on those third downs where it's like you need to get the ball back. Exactly. And that I think that was one of the things that killed them against the Bills, as you mentioned. Um, interestingly, the Bills never punted in that game. Um, they either scored a touchdown or they threw an interception. Literally, that was <laughs> how all of their offensive drives ended. They either threw an interception or scored a touchdown. And I think we're going to need something similar. We like we need the Falcons to if if Taysom Hill is going to pass it, um, we need to get that ball out of the air and, and take advantage of it. Um, yeah. Thankfully, uh, we've got in my mind, the best corner in the league right now, all pro Terrell. Uh, I refuse to call him AJ. Mm-hmm. We will be calling him all pro Terrell for the remainder of this week. 
um, because he deserves he deserves all pro consideration. He he deserves to be an all pro. He should have been um, a Pro Bowler, but he we should moved have been, on. absolutely. Yeah, yep. definitely all pro. Definitely all pro. Um, he is, and PFF incidentally does have him ranked as their number one corner um, mm-hmm. by their metrics, both overall and in coverage. And that's uh, not something that just like popped up randomly. It's been literally the entire season. He's yeah. been, you know, me and you. He's been in the top it. five almost the entire right. year. And I think as the year has gone on, he has passed guy after guy. And he's, he's over the past several weeks, he's been the number one corner. Yep. Um, and deservedly so. Uh, however, the guy I'm paying attention to, because he absolutely has to turn uh, this around, uh, is Deion Jones. In the past, when the Falcons have played the Saints well, Deion Jones has had a good game. And in particular, he has done well at times matching up with Alvin Kamara, especially coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, Deion Jones, for whatever reason, you know, probably because he grew up in Louisiana, uh, went to LSU, um, has historically played well against the Saints and has actually done well against Kamara in the past. Um, we need that Debo instead of the one we've gotten for most of this season. Um, to give you the idea of how bad it is right now with, with Dio, it's um, his season grade right now with the Falcons is 35.7. That is the lowest it's ever been by a 30 point margin, actually by a 33 point margin, because last year he scored a 68.7 and he is currently ranked 80th out of 86 linebackers in the league. Um, that is like, that's untenable. We, and I hear a lot of people talking about trading him this offseason. I understand it. I understand why there's that frustration. But in this game, um, in my mind, Evan, he, he, he is a, one of the key guys uh, because Taysom Hill is probably going to want to check it down. You know, that's what he's, he's not a deep passer. He's not someone that, likes to throw to the sidelines. Um, and if, if there's anyone that's got the athleticism, like he's still fast, he's still an incredibly athletic linebacker. If there's anyone that's going to be able to chase down Taysom Hill uh, and keep pace with Alvin Kamara, it's Deion Jones. Um, given what you've seen from him this year, is this the game he, he bounces back or, or have you lost faith in him in, in, in this defense? Uh, I mean, like, I, we know what he's capable of. So, like, I hope it's a game where he kind of bounces back. And the fact that it could technically be his last game with the Falcons. Um, but we'll talk about that later this offseason. Um, yep. But, yeah, I've kind of lost faith in a lot of, you know, these guys. Except for, like, as you mentioned, like, A.J. Terrell, Grady Jarrett. Like, still have faith in those guys. But everyone else, it's kind of up in the air. Um, yeah. He's just been Deion Jones. Unfortunately, he's just been like a guy. Um, I think if he was on a, you know, he's one of those players, like if he was on a better defense, he'd be making some more noise, but he's kind of having to be like a key player on, you know, in the linebackers. I mean, Foy Lucan stepped up um, this year a lot, but yeah, this could be Deion Jones last game and I'd like to see him make an impact, but I don't have confidence in the fact that he'll actually go out and do that. Um, and that's kind of sad to say because, I mean, at one point, Deion Jones was thought of as, like, one of the best linebackers in the league, right? Yeah, he was an ascending linebacker. Yeah. Uh, he was, for a couple of years there, he was PFF's highest-graded coverage linebacker and was, like, in the top 10 um, for several years. And 
Uh, and I think his play backed that up as well. We saw that from him. And it just seems like the past couple of years have just been some of his mm-hmm. worst uh, since he's been in the league. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really want him to bounce back in this game. Uh, we need it from him uh, because right now this defense is just not good. Um, <laughs> that said, like the one of the things, man, against the Bills, they were surprisingly effective in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Um you know, some of that, obviously, A.J. Terrell did a great job on Stephon Diggs, uh, limited him to just 50 yards receiving. Um, but then you had guys like Sean Williams, uh, Deron Harmon, who played well, um, even Kendall Sheffield, who stepped in. And we haven't talked about him in a long time. And, he, you know, he, he got some snaps. Uh, this secondary actually has played decently the past few weeks. Uh, and I think that, you know, the thing with this Saints offense, they don't have like a star receiver. Um, you know, slant is not, he, he's been out for most of the year. And honestly, right now, I feel like this is, um, the worst version of the saints offense we've seen in years in the mm-hmm. past four games, they have scored 20 points or more just once, uh, which is not something you ever expect to see from a Sean Payton led offense. And yet that's where they're at. They're like sort of uh, a middling offense right now. <laughs> um, so it, then again, you know, we've talked about this so many times. The Falcons defense has made um, terrible quarterbacks look like pro bowlers. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Evan. I don't know what to make of this game, man. Um, any, <laughs> <laughs> any last thoughts on the Saints offense and how they match up with our quote unquote defense? No, I mean, I, I think it's just going to kind of go through Taysom Hill. If Taysom Hill has a bad day, uh, hopefully on the ground uh, more than through the air, um, I think the Falcons are going to win. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's kind of the – when we compare the two games, like the Falcons' offense really hasn't changed a whole lot or the Falcons' defense. But the Saints, you know, having Taysom Hill as opposed to Trevor Simeon, like that's a totally different offense because of how that's set up where – with Simeon, you know he's only passing the ball. Um, with Taysom, he kind of gives them, you know, he, he might be a slight downgrade from Simeon in terms of passing the ball, but, like, he's a huge upgrade in terms of his mobility. Yeah. Um, and we'll see, definitely. you know, I, the Falcons are definitely, like, practicing using, like, Felipe Franks as a pretend Taysom Hill this week. So hopefully that <laughs> helps, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really optimistic or pessimistic towards this game. Like, we'll just watch it and see what happens. Um, also, as you mentioned, like the the Saints, if they win this game and the 49ers lose, the Saints make the playoffs. But this game does have other implications um, uh, for the Falcons. Um, so this oh, will yeah. be set up for 2022, who their oppo- like three of their unknown opponents are. So if the Falcons win, and these are like no matter what happens. So if the Falcons beat the Saints, the Falcons will host the Vikings next year, and they will host the winner of Sunday night's Chargers and Raiders game. And hmm. then they will go on the road and face the Eagles. And that's if the Falcons win. Now, if they lose, it gets a little easier. They play the Bears in Atlanta. They play the loser of the Chargers and Raiders in Atlanta. And then they go on the road to Washington. Um, I don't know if you've looked, DW, at the Falcons schedule next year. Like, obviously, the dates aren't set, but they're like opponents. Oh, it's a lot harder. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's tough. Like, there's there's a chance. Actually, it probably will happen. 
the Falcons could end up with a worse record next year and be a far better team than they were exactly. this year. Yep, I was going to say And the that's going to be insanely frustrating because people are going to think they just suck. And it's more of that schedule's a gauntlet. Obviously, a lot can change, um, you know, in terms of personnel on those other teams and then, you know, the Falcons and stuff like teams that look like they're really good now could suck next year. Sure. But as of right now, like, that's a terrible schedule for the Falcons. It is. And I saw someone say this earlier today, and I think this is uh, the right way to phrase it. This year, the Falcons are the best of the bad teams. Right. And next year, they could move into that, whatever that next tier is, the mediocre teams. Um, but because their schedule is going to be so much harder, they may still look like a bad team, even if they make progress. Uh, well said, Evan. They, they could end up you know, having just four or five wins, but actually be a better overall team. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, just because they're going to face a gauntlet. So, and you look at right. this, like that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be kind of important. Like aside from the teams we already know they're facing, like if you were to ask me, would you rather go um, play the Vikings, the Eagles on the road, and then the winner of the Chargers Raiders, as opposed to the Bears, Washington, and the loser of the Chargers and Raiders? Like I would, I, I think both of us would take the Bears in Washington over yeah. like, the Vikings and then on the road against the Eagles. That's a tough, you know, that makes the schedule even tougher. So that's yeah. something else to keep an eye on this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of implications in this game. And mm-hmm. of course we'll be analyzing them and writing about them at the Falcoholic. Um, Evan, what is your prediction for Sunday? Ooh. Um, I mean, I, I got to pick the Falcons to win. Um, it was close in the first matchup, 27 to 25. Um, but this is in Atlanta. They've only won one game in Atlanta. Hopefully it, it'll be two on Sunday. I know it ruins the draft, but I don't care. I hate the Saints. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say 28-24. Make it another close one, like almost the same score. But, yeah, I'm going to say Falcons win. I like it. Um, I'm with you. I think the Falcons win. I think they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. Um and honestly, I think Arthur Smith wants to start his first year as head coach by sweeping the Saints. And I want to see him do it. That would be a great way to finish this, this season. And them getting to eight wins with everything they face this year, I think would yeah. be uh, a really nice accomplishment and something to build on. Even though, as you and I said, next year the record could actually end up being worse, but them being a better team. I still think if you get to eight wins this year with everything you had to go through from a cap standpoint, from a player standpoint, uh, with you know guys who haven't been on the roster and uh, guys who haven't played, uh, that would be a great, great finish. So I'm going to say uh, Saints 20, Falcons 21. Narrow, mm. narrow victory. Oh, good. A nail biter. Because <laughs> uh, that's what they always seem to give us, mm-hmm. man, is the nail biters. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Uh, this is our last preview podcast. Of course, for the off season, we will be here on the podcast um, reviewing the year as a in whole. Uh, we'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about free agency. We'll do some player evaluations. Uh, so we're not done talking about the Falcons. We're just done predicting games. Um, on that note, Evan, tell our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield, writing at the Falcolic. Uh, doing injury reports and some other stuff. Uh, just go there this off season for any, there's going to be a ton of draft content and stuff. I, uh, one of our uh, writers, Kevin Knight's going to the uh, senior bowl 
Yep. So that'll be something cool. There'll be a lot of senior bowl activity. And that's actually at the end of this month already. Yep, um, right somehow. The so yeah, there'll be a ton of content from Kevin and the rest of the gang. Um, just appreciate everybody, you know, who's tuned in this year um, to me and DW doing the preview. Cause we never really did the preview. We did the post game, but we added the preview and hope you, hopefully y'all enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Yep. And you and I will be back on Sunday to talk about yep. whatever happened in this final game. <laughs> whatever happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, as for you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.